Do you ever wonder how great leaders in the community make things happen? When they encounter new unexpected challenges like a pandemic, how do they continue to successfully make an impact? Welcome to That Sounds Terrific, the podcast that connects you with these amazing people. Get insights on what they do to meet their goals. Find out how you can help them in their mission and learn their methods so you can be more successful at what you do. Welcome to That Sounds Terrific with host Nick Koziel. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of That Sounds Terrific. Joining me today is Jason Rosenberg, and I'm so glad to have you on the show. Welcome to the show, Jason. Thank you for having me, Nick. Yeah, yeah. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, and kind of what you do, and we'll we'll jump right into the podcast. Sure. I have been in healthcare uh, my entire career, and I got started uh, looking to help patients. Found myself very quickly working in the finance uh, side of the healthcare business, um, helping physicians and hospitals streamline insurance claim processing. Uh, that led me into uh, recognizing that it wasn't the area of healthcare that I, I wanted to be in, and I wanted to be more involved in helping patients. So a mentor at the time directed me to get involved in clinical operations. So I um, started to dive into that side of healthcare. And just prior to the pandemic, I was working in cancer centers here in Rochester, New York as an operations manager. And uh, throughout the, the pandemic, recognized very quickly that leadership was extremely important um, in guiding not only healthcare providers, but the patients as well. Um, you know, how are we going to manage the healthcare system during this time? So I began to, to really pay attention to the stressors that were happening. And I found myself oftentimes not only working on the operational stressors, but also working on the mental um, stressors that people were feeling, whether that be the physicians and nurses going through um, changes at home or issues outside of work and how it was impacting work. And obviously patients, when we're talking about cancer center, um, and caregiving around, you know, not only the, the patients, but the patient's family, care plans, um, all types of, you know, work stressors that occur. I found myself um, just naturally gravitating into some of these conversations and becoming uh, what I considered, you know, a rock or a leader in that aspect. Um, why it, it made me feel good to do that work. But I also, it, it accelerated my internal uh, growth process as well, because, you know, it's the pandemic, I'm going through my own issues, I had to get really strong and start to figure out, well, like, what, what can I do on a day to day basis, so that I can show up at this hospital for these people and, and remain, you know, a, a strong, you know, and, and as far as being able to help them through their issues. So, that, that has been my journey. I, I left the, the cancer center and the clinical operations to pursue some more entrepreneurial um, things in my life and went to work for a large consulting firm. And was I did that for two reasons. I wanted to make some more money. Um, and I thought to myself, well, you know, this will broaden your perspective of the industry as well. You know, it'll help you you know, understand what is happening outside of Rochester, where I live, um, as far as, as healthcare is concerned. And so I, I worked with that company for about a year and a half. Um, 
you know, worked talking to executives at, at the hospital, pharmaceutical insurance company, medical device companies on how to make their processes more efficient. But again, I found myself very quickly not finding the purpose. You know, yes, I was helping hospitals run more efficiently, but from a corporate position, I was selling um, products that I didn't always necessarily believe in or may may not have even bought myself sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so that became, um, you know, a, t a daunting task. And I, I recognize that I want to get back involved in helping, you know, people directly. And so now... I've started something where I'm helping to reduce stress in the in the healthcare system, operationally and mentally. So systems thinking um, and consulting in that way, but also then coaching nurses, physicians, and and you know patients or caregivers of patients on how to work with themselves through whatever situation they're going through that's stressing them out. Mm -hmm. I definitely could have used you last week. <laughs> for sure there's yeah, tell, tell it's me. interesting you know like I, I, like all the things that you're talking about um is is sort of where the show's genesis came from and, and i know i shared a little bit about the show with you but like it, it formed during covid and it was about these processes that people were going through and change and like how to like sort of pivot which you know you you kind of went over briefly here as like you know how you decided to pivot your life and career to kind of to get more to helping people which is awesome you know like the medical like you were in a lot of ways you sort of were on the, the front line for the frontline workers during the the pandemic um which is you know an admirable thing to do and and probably really stressful thing to do in itself um so i thank you for for the work that you're doing um to help our healthcare people be able to serve others better and more efficiently um but also for the patients too because what i alluded to in the first you know chime back to you is all i was trying to do was get a referral filled for uh, my daughter and the process was so incredibly archaic mm -hmm. um and a little bit of help through that process even though it's probably not exactly what you're talking about would have been welcomed and probably welcomed on the other side of the phone too because i was getting stressed out about it <laughs> so yeah. but but thanks um can you tell us a little bit more about like, you know, sort of the specifics of your approach and like, you know, maybe some ideal clients. I know you said you got nurses and doctors and patients uh, and they all come from a different angle. So, so how does this all work? They do. Um, so, you know, you think, of, I think of it in two ways and I was trained in two ways, systems thinking, you know, as far as how does the operation of a business and th this doesn't have to be specific to healthcare but i'm obviously applying it there because that is what i know mm -hmm. systems thinking as far as the the processes the operation itself um the interaction of the parts of the system is really what we need to focus on because you can imagine that if you were to um you know try to build a car and you went out and outsourced all the best parts, the best engine from Ferrari, the best interior from Rolls-Royce, and all the pistons and everything else, put it together and try to put it together, you probably would find you couldn't. Even though you'd, you'd had acquired all the best stuff, you, you can't build a, a, a one moving thing with mm -hmm. just all the best things. So you have to have what it is, you know, the, the, the parts that fit together. So it really comes down to the interaction 
of those parts does it work and so mm-hmm. we start there and we i've been trained on a process called three the three d's and it's discover distill and define so the whole point the whole starting of that systems thinking is discovering the issue mm-hmm. and you know historically when you think about that and in my consulting gigs that i've done the issue would come to me from upper management, from the CEO, from leadership saying, I know what the issue is, Jason, you're going to come in and we're going to fix this problem. I flip that on its head and I, I, I try to find the issue at the bottom, mm-hmm. at the front line, you know, with the people who are really dealing with it first. Why? Because in order to change this system and the interaction of the parts, we have to have people on board. Mm-hmm. If people aren't on board, the individual themselves are not on board with this change the changes are going to happen and you've seen it organizationally time and time again management comes with something it's the new flavor of the year or whatever and we try to drill it top down and everyone's like yeah great we'll do that and then nothing happens and then they move on Mm -hmm. so 50 percent of the the work has to be systems thinking but the other 50 percent has to be individual you know, work at the level of the people's minds who are right. who are doing that work. So, you know, what what has come of that then is recognizing that there's the mind is also a system, and the interaction of the parts of the mind exist. So I have I have been during my my inner work coming out of the pandemic. And when I say inner work, the work on myself, which is mind body and spiritual work mm-hmm. getting right with the food i eat exercise um the mental you know whether that's seeking out therapy or going through courses or reading books or meditating and then the spiritual stuff and you know that's that obviously is a wide range of things you can do uh, whether it's religious based or just being in touch with something deeper than yourself these things are important to to understand of the individuals you're working with or attempting to change a system. Hmm. So I had started to learn about a process called dream work, which had been taught to me. And I, I kind of sought out to solve some of my own problems. And so the process that I use now, I, and I don't go in talking about this because sometimes people can't quite grasp it at the at the the level. When you're talking about walking into a hospital, and I start mm-hmm. saying, "Well, we're going to fix this problem with the dream work," you know, <laughs> automatically people are like, "Wait, that's very esoteric. Like, how are we going to do this?" Yeah, but it really comes down to intent and mastering the intention of the collective group of people, or let's just say it's one person. What is their intention around the change that we are trying to make? Mm-hmm. And if we can match these things, then we, in theory, should be successful. And I have seen this in, in the process that I've, I've been taught. I can't say I've developed this process by any means. I've been taught, but I've put together and kind of put my own flavor on it. Sure. So, and to highlight dream work a little bit more, you know, the reality of what dream work is, is truly asking your subconscious mind while you're asleep cutting through all the filters of your conscious mind all the conditioning all the you know your mom and dad and society has told you you should shouldn't do it all that stuff to find what is the real solution that you can actually 
give to this, you know, to this change? What, what are you really going to be able to commit to? And you may find that well, I can't commit anything. I don't mm -hmm. want this change. That's good for me to know, you know, because now we can work through that. Right. Because if we hadn't have figured that out and you're, you know, then I would just be shoving this change on you expecting, you know, and going to leadership saying, oh, we're going to make this change. But if we find that it's not possible, then that's a good place to be. So I hope that does that describe a little bit of the, the kind of the process that yeah. with, with I'm using um, I, you asked about ideal clients yeah. Should I there yeah yeah what are some ideal clients um you know that that would would be you know good for this kind of service yes so what i have found is that nurses um tend to be ideal in this for this and the reason is because they're a bit more malleable to the change and they don't have quite as much of a stance mm -hmm. on how things should go um and so when I, you know, I talk about working with nurses um, and, and departments that have a lot of nurses. So, you know, the, the inpatient units, the OR, um, the emergency room, cancer centers, uh, these tend to be the ideal clients, but really it could be any physician practice mm -hmm. or any area of the hospital because um, it doesn't have to be 100% like direct care delivery the lab would be a great example also yeah. ideal for this because basically anyone that is experiencing change or needs to um, work through staff shortages stress and burnout um, you know this becomes a great place to be because this isn't psychotherapy by any means but it has a flavor of um it's just it has a human flavor to systems mm -hmm. thinking we, we are including the individual we're really trying to change things from the bottom up i am looking to empower the people right that that are working through the system now i've come to find during this work that i shouldn't leave the patients out of this to your point of what you just went through <laughs> patient advocacy during these things is really important and it actually helps both sides of the house because if I can empower you to understand a bit more about the system that you're going through, mm. um, you're, you can possibly help the other individual on the other side as well. And that is really step one because step one to all of this is understanding the system that you're working in. If you don't understand it, you can't make any change. So yeah. if, if you're a patient and you don't understand billing and the, you know, the referral process, how are you going to advocate for yourself? If you're a doctor and you don't understand what the key uh, metrics are for success that the board of the hospital is looking to, you know, to drive down, how do you possibly work through that? You know? Yeah. Um, so yeah. we have to start at that place first and educate and then yeah. go from It makes a lot of sense. And and it's funny because like you're, you're, you're hitting a lot of like nails on the head for me in, the, in that particular situation because I do understand some of the system, right? Um, and the the thing that I was encountering was sort of the refusal <laughs> to see logic around the referral. It was a referral coming from an outside network, right? It had everything on the referral that it needed, but not the right address. And so 
I was calling to say, let's set up this appointment. And they said, well, we don't have a referral from you. And then they look, oh, we do have a referral from you, but the address is wrong. That shouldn't matter <laughs> at all. It's the specialist, the doctor on the thing and whatever. So I'm trying to explain this to this woman. And she was like, well, I can't do anything. Um, so to kind of not to get super personal about this, but I went back to the original person that was, you know, doing the referral. They called up worked it all out, got everything right. The address was actually correct on there, which is the most hilarious thing about the whole thing. Uh, and then I called back to set the appointment. Oh no, you can't set the appointment. We don't have a referral. I'm like, we just worked this all out. We need three to five days to confirm the referral. It goes to the referral department and then it comes back to us. And I'm like, how am I supposed to know when that is finished to call and make the appointment? We'll call you. And the funny thing was they didn't call me because the referral was wrong. So like if the referral was wrong, I was never getting a call. So the, the process is broken. And so trying to get that poor person who was trying to, trying to help me to understand that and, and take an extra step and say, something's wrong here <laughs> just wasn't happening. Cause I think uh, knowing the process a little bit, there was no process for her that allowed her to do that. So she was stuck telling me, nope, I can't do anything and frustrating because it made no sense. So I applaud you <laughs> because I need you. I might make a referral. I need you to kind of get in there and, and figure that out. Um, you better have the right address though. Um, yeah, well, and, and it's interesting because Nick, I hear the fear and I hear the disempowerment of the worker with which you spoke to. Yeah. Like the address is wrong. I can't do anything. Now, if, if, if this was an empowered customer service individual, like, and think about any yeah. industry, you know, we talk about excellence being like, all right, you have enough power to make a, a slight decision. Like, is this relevant or is it not? And, and the problem we have in healthcare is we have a lot of regulation. So, yeah. you know, I don't know who knows what that manager told and said, you must have all of this right. If not, and you can tell it's coming from a fear-based place and, so that person is completely disempowered from step one, cannot help you because yeah. they are following a regimen which has been set for them. And I run into this all the time. And so that is very difficult because that is that is a lot of change on different levels that has yeah. to happen. Yeah, I mean, it could very well be the computer system doesn't even allow her to make an appointment for that record because there's just a block in place until that thing is cleared. And I get it. But it's just like, instead of, you know, the customer service person in me, instead instead of saying, let me see if there's something I can do, it was, I can't do anything. Exactly. Goodbye. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so on, on to the next one. Yeah. And, and that also is a sort of a top-down thing that, that can happen, or even the bottom-up, like you're talking about, because um, very often our leaders are not doctors. When you think about, like, you know, uh, people who lead the hospital or at least lead procedures, uh, so they don't have a full understanding of of what nurses are going through every day, of what intake people are going through every day. And so to say, hey, we need to make this change. And a lot of times our leaders make those changes without the right data, right? Or without asking, hey, what is this going to do to response time or whatever? Um, we don't go to the bottom. And then it causes for the need for outside consultants to come in and look at the whole map and go like, well... <laughs> If you put a big wall up here or you, you completely tear down the bridge from point A to point B, how are you going to get there? You know? So, um, 
maybe so. maybe like the dream part i mean i'll let you respond to that and then i'll ask the question it's not like you had something well i i, I feel like i always have something around this <laughs> the idea comes from you cannot solve the problem with the same thinking that created the problem from the first place is yeah. really what you're getting at. And I think that I'm not going to quote exactly. But that's like an Einstein thing where yeah. it, you literally have to think differently. If there is a problem, if, if, you know, if that manager has been there, we can't have that same thinking. They, that manager has to step outside of themselves mm -hmm. to say, okay, how do we solve this? And then, getting feedback that's the whole discovery process the first part of the d you know it's like all right like we've got to get feedback from these people on the ground and actually take it seriously and, mm -hmm. and you know say this is where we're going to come from um and then we distill it from there with leadership to say here's here's where it is but we really want the bottom those frontline workers to be represented in that meeting you know, almost like a union would be represented at a contract negotiation where it's like, no, 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 we're, we're going to bring them, some of them in to say, here's what we're going to talk about. And then that way is how we find, you know, we're yeah. able to work bottom up for the change. We had uh, at a past position that I was in, we we physically got to the point because there's management saying this needs to change and, and here's what what you need to do. And here's and, and this system, like I was kind of explaining before, would not allow it. And we had it got to the point where we needed to bring that CEO in, sit them down in front of the computer as we went through step by step to show them before it was like believed, you know, that that couldn't be done. Right. Um, and, and so sometimes it takes that realization <laughs> for upper management or, you know, even, um, you know, another expert to kind of come in like yourself to kind of explain, hey, there there's this impasse here and here's where the impasse is. It isn't. Because too many times it's like the 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 worker versus the boss in regards to like the the boss almost feels like they're they're being lazy or just don't want to do it, and it's not often the case. Sometimes it's just it can't be done that way, and you need to understand. Like you need someone that understands more. So, um, I was gonna ask like another uphill task. You were you kind of alluded to this too, like. If I were a CEO of a like a hospital or or whatever, and you came in to me and you said, you know, even even down the line, how are we gonna solve this problems through your dreams? I would be like, okay, <laughs> see you later. We're gonna get another guy come in and who referred this guy, right? So how do you approach that? That that's probably a, a sort of delicate or, or or you know it's extremely delicate. You don't approach it unless you find some sort of um in to to that discussion so you have to i mean for me if i'm about to work with you nick like i do a little reconnaissance on you you know let's check your social media let's <laughs> analyze a little bit about your personality so that when we have a discussion i can say yeah we can go there or we're not even going close to there and what what i mean by that is we can still do the work of the, the, the dream work. We just do it in what we call the waking dream mm -hmm. because the idea is the same. You obviously, your subconscious is operating right now. Like me and you are not dreaming. Like I'm, mm -hmm. I'm awake. I've had- So we think, problems. I mean. Think, so we think. <laughs> but, it, but at least I'm on that side. Like, I, you know, I know I'm not in bed asleep dreaming. 
but there is this concept that there is a waking dream that's happening here and so there is a background subconscious mind working and how we get to that is through intention and so on the dream work side if you were telling me if you were the ceo nick and you said yeah i love dream work i would love to analyze the dreams and figure out if we can solve the problems for the hospital through my <laughs> We would start with a dream um, assignment letter. Mm -hmm. And at night, before you go to bed, you would write yourself a letter about this problem and ask for during the dream that you receive some symbols that would help you to identify that problem. When you wake up, you would journal the dream. We would sit together and go through these symbols and and we'd recognize a couple of things. This isn't dream. If you if you were to Google like I saw a black cat in my dream, mm -hmm. whatever comes up on the internet, that's not what I'm interested in. I'm interested in what you believe is going on with the black cat. Now that being said, I categorize things into four parts of the mind. We have the masculine mind, which is more of your old um, logic rational you know just reptilian mind just you know flight or fight or flight mind mm -hmm. your feminine mind which is your emotions and your dream your memories and the feelings that you get from things your authoritarian mind which is all your conditioning the police your your mom and dad you know your schooling when you grew up you should you shouldn't all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. And then the spiritual mind, which is really the, the connection to greater being, source, God, whatever you want to call it, however you feel about that. The symbols that you give me in that dream when you wake up are going to fall into some category or, or a couple categories of those parts of the mind. And through that, we can figure out what the dream means. But you're the one. I don't tell you. Mm -hmm. so you know what it means. We just talk about it. Mm -hmm. And you eventually will say, oh, wow, you're right. That's what I'm feeling. You know, you just need some help and guidance mm -hmm. to kind of break it all down. So if let's say you're not into dream work, right? And we're mm -hmm. not going to go there and you're a CEO is just focused on the money. Yeah. We're, we're going to sit there and still do the same thing with intention. We're going we're gonna to try to master the intent, but of not of you personally of the collective group that's going to experience the change mm -hmm. because what we need to do is shift their mindset you know into into going aha this change is needed you know that is what our problem is because if, mm -hmm. if half of them think it's a, a, pro, a problem and other half don't the chain probably isn't going to go down so we have to shift that collective intent mm -hmm. um and this is we're talking about organizational change at that point so right. I would approach it from that place. I would not approach it from dreams. It's just, it's interesting because the process of dream work is being taken outside of the dreams themselves and being applied. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's it's a unique way of working with humans mm -hmm. uh, through their day-to-day -day tasks. Very cool. So when you're, when you're working with like, you know, a large organization, is it, is it like group work? How, how explain that part of it too. Like how, what are the steps, I guess, that you're taking without giving away all your, your trade secrets, yeah. of course? <laughs> yeah. So, so it, the, the steps uh, really go into those three Ds. Um, and the, so the first is a, a discovery session where, you know, at a staff meeting, 
we, uh, I mean, really prior to that, I am meeting with a leader to understand what they think the problem is. Right. And then we meet at a staff meeting and we just start throwing up on the board. What is the biggest problem you have at mm -hmm. night? What's keeping you awake at night? Or, you know, what, what is the issues here? And we just let people collectively just start screaming it out, mm -hmm. you know, writing it down. Okay. Nick says it's staffing, you know, um, Bob says he doesn't get a long enough lunch. You know, mm -hmm. Jill says that parking is terrible. And then as at the group level, we decide to distill, what does the group believe out of all these things that people have written is the biggest issue? I mean, first, first we, we distill them and categorize them because what ends up happening is the, you know, you may say parking and then someone else may say patients are late. And we figure out actually that the reason patients are coming in late is because parking sucks for both employees and patients. You know, so we categorize these. And then from there, we distill, okay, what is the number one issue? Mm -hmm. Have the group agree. So this does take some time and may take a meeting or two. Um, and then once the, the group agrees, we define how are we going to solve this with right actions? And we have representatives then of the team itself, you know, which is usually like in my case, historically has been someone like a charge nurse, you know, or a nurse leaders of the org, you know, of that group, including management. And then if usually the CEO, we want to keep out of the whole thing, unless it's a hundred percent necessary, mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, this isn't really their fight. Like this is our, you know, we're, we're at the ground level. We're sure. looking to move change bottom up. So we go into right action and, and right action means we have to obviously have a list of things that need to happen, you know, over the next and a time, you know, smart goals, you know, measurable time oriented goals mm -hmm. uh, that we go after and start hitting them off one by one by one until we've made the change that that is people are looking for very cool can you can you share with us like a story um about like you know the success that you've had with this process something that you're like really proud of and you probably can't share who the client was right um but like you know just give us a good example of of you know something that you've accomplished through this process yeah i i have felt um I I have not exercised this process as much as I want to on the broader group level. I've wanted to more. And I can't say that I have a great success story. Like this was mm -hmm. successful. I have a mentor who's been training me who who does have many success stories. Sure. In this. Um, I have more success stories on the individual level. Yeah, well, sure that. That's cool too. Yeah. I so, mean, they're both so, yep, comparable. So, they are. And, and what I mean by that is what ends up happening during this time is you come in with the group and then you obviously end up, there are certain individuals in the group that gravitate towards you and, and, and want to be a little bit more heard or feel a little bit more already, you know, have the courage or want to be more in the, in the driver's seat of situations and put themselves out there to be known. And I had one woman who had um, 30 plus years of nursing experience. 
and um, she came to me and she said, you know, I, I had heard, cause I, I, we often drop this dream work, like, especially as we get into it, mm-hmm. we drop the waking dream. We drop some esoteric knowledge into this thing. And some people don't, you know, they're just like, fine, whatever, let's keep going on the standard systems thinking. But a couple of people will perk up and be like, what did you mean by that? Like, mm-hmm. I, and then always people are like, I had a dream last night, you know, or, or they'll come and they'll be like, well, I've been, you know, dreaming about this for whatever time frame, and it relates to what we're talking about. So that gives us the opportunity to get one-on-one and dig in a little bit. Mm-hmm. And this one woman said, Jason, I've been having this reoccurring dream for like 30 years. And every time this is what it goes, it goes like, I come into the hospital. It, all, it was related to nursing. It was, it was the most interesting thing I'd ever been involved in. She was like, I come into the hospital and um, I have too many patients and I don't know where the, we don't have enough IV poles and I'm I'm frantic trying to find all this. I miss the meds for somebody. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was all this really detailed stuff. And she's like, I've learned basically over these last 30 years to just ignore this. It's just like a dream. Like what? It doesn't matter. Like I'll just, I I, at first used to wake up like horrified that like I missed this patient's going to die. And now I just kind of wake up and I still have the same feelings, but I'm just like, oh, it's a dream, whatever. And I go off doing my thing. So we broke it down a little bit because I said to her, I said, if you've been having this for 30 years, like your mind is trying to tell you something. Mm -hmm. I mean, are you interested in exploring it? And she said, yeah. So we did a little bit of one-on-one into the dream work world. And it came to find out that, that deep down, she did not feel ever empowered in her job to be able to do good and that she constantly felt like she was going to mess up now this dream was way more detailed than what i just gave you i mean she gave me a summary of stuff and in order for us to 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 break it down and figure that out i had to sit with her on i believe three different occasions for probably a 45 minute session to go through these symbols but again she came up with it i didn't say this is what you you know, we just talked through it. And I, I said, it comes down to, you know, she, she had a charge nurse like in her dream. And I was like, tell me about the charge nurse. You know, well, the charge nurse is brutal. What does brutal mean? Well, brutal means she's always all over me. What does always all over you mean? Always all over me means that she's constantly judging what I do. What is she judging? Well, she's judging my skills. What skills? And we you just keep going, distilling further and further and further down. And eventually she was like, oh, I, I, you know, I just don't feel like I'm good enough for this person. And I was like, well, who is this person in the dream? And she's like, well, it's a charge. And so I was like, well, it's a dream. So it's your mind. It's you. I mean, yeah. there's nobody there. Like, it, who is it? I mean, it's just a symbol, you know? And sure. she was like, oh, I don't think I'm good enough oh, wait a minute, that's what this is all about. And, you know, so that's what we got to. And it helped her then the next day coming into work because now she was like, you know what? I feel more empowered that I do know I do a good job. Mm -hmm. I was limiting myself this whole time. Now, this is a very common thing. I don't know about you, Nick, but I feel limited on myself all the time. Like I, but do you recognize it? Yeah. And is it it hindering your day to day? So that's what we try to get to because if we can get you through that, then- 
Ideally, when you show up to work tomorrow, you might be more gung-ho for this challenge you're about to do called change. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know? You might yeah. be like, let's do this. Like, or I'm going to go an extra mile for that patient. You know, I'm mm-hmm. going to, you know what? I'm going to tell my boss, forget that stupid policy that the, the referral couldn't be done with the address. I'm going to change the address myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, yeah. this is all theoretical, but the yeah. idea of empowering people. Yeah, no, I, I think just on that, on kind of what you're saying, like, I can think of so many people and myself, like you said, you know, where sort of in my own block, right? I get in the way, right? Of um, <laughs> you know, saying sorry for something that's not my fault, or, you know, just uh, thinking that you're not good enough for something, right? Um, so that alone, I think you would have, you know, a client base that like went out your door and around the world, you know, maybe once or twice. Um, so being that... With that said, like, how do people get a hold of you? I mean, obviously, we're gonna put stuff in the in the show notes. Um, yeah. But like, you know, how how do how do people like say sign me up? I want I want to have Jason help me figure out my my dreams <laughs> and my yeah. limitations and all that stuff. Yeah, the the best place is LinkedIn for me. Okay, uh, that is my my hub um, as far as communicating with people, um, you know, and or emailing me directly. Sure. Um, you know, right now I do not have a, any real website presence. I've, I have, been, you know, historically that was one of my things was like, you must have a website, but these days I'm kind of like, I, LinkedIn's great. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't need, you know, you want to talk to me. I mean, what am I going to share on a website except, you know, past clients and things like that, which, which I am building, but LinkedIn is the go-to yeah. for sure. I mean, you can put testimonials on LinkedIn, so that, yeah, exactly. that works too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Use it as your hub. I, yeah. I love LinkedIn for networking and for things like this. So that's that's cool. Um, Jason, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you definitely want to get out to the audience to say like, hey, this is something else you should be aware of about you or or about your process or anything like that? This is the the big stumper question that comes yeah. up. Yeah, no, I'm glad you asked that. Thanks, Nick. I have been, you know, this isn't just me. I have collected a group of people and, and I shouldn't even say I've collected. Mm-hmm. We are gathering healthcare, people who work in healthcare recognize that change is necessary. And and there are many people out here that want to do more, want to be a part of change, want, you know, whether they work in the field directly, they're non-clinical administrators, they're patients. And so every, we've begun to recognize this. So every week, on Wednesday at one o'clock Eastern Standard Time, we have a Zoom meeting. It's an open Zoom meeting where we've gathered neuroscientists, educators, systems thinkers, change management people, business people, uh, doctors. Uh, last week, there was a lab technician who came and, and they just show up and we have this these conversations about how can we help each other do this work and just, you know, so it's an encouragement session. It's an sure. empowerment session. Um, and then the the leader of this who really kind of put it together, his name's David, um, David Dibble. And he really is the one who has come up with that 3D process and taught me mm-hmm. how to use it. So we often hear from him and he kind of will guide us on some of the um, intricacies of that process. So it's it's kind of a neat thing. So I would say that's the only thing that I'd like to share is it's an open invitation to anyone who's interested in systems thinking, dream work, is in healthcare or not in healthcare. 
um, can come and learn. But I, I think the focus really is there's a lot of healthcare professionals that are joining this because they recognize how important um, this kind of bottom up process and change is. Yeah. No, I think you're absolutely right. It's very important to get our, you know, our healthcare workers as healthy as they can be. Um, the processes are always something to be looking at and improving. Um, you know, so I hope that I urge my listeners to kind of get in contact with Jason. And if this is a Zoom thing that they want to kind of check out too, I'm sure you can give them the link and this way you have the intro. So uh, Jason, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate yeah. you and the things that you do. Thank you, Nick. I appreciate it too. This was yeah. terrific. Awesome. Nice. That was supposed to say that, but thank you very much. You're terrific, my friend. So, uh, well, we'll see you next time, everybody. Thank you for joining us in another episode of That Sounds Terrific. Don't forget to check out the show notes and our website at thatsoundsterrific.com to find the contact information and the best ways to volunteer with the organizations that we feature. If you know someone that is doing terrific things and think they should be featured in a future episode, be sure to email us their name, contact info, and short description of what they're doing at thatsoundsterrific at gmail.com. If you like our show, give us a five-star rating and give us some social media love by liking our facebook page that sounds terrific follow us on twitter at sounds terrific too and instagram at sounds terrific we love hearing your feedback on how to make our show sound even more terrific till next time